Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. ISIS rebels in northern Iraq are beheading Christian men, and Muslim terrorists in Africa are raping Christian women. We have an exclusive interview with Walid Shrebet, a Palestinian American and former terrorist who converted from Islam to faith in Jesus Christ. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On today's show, we have a newsmaking interview with Walid Shrebat, who is a former Muslim terrorist, now an American citizen who follows Jesus Christ. But I wanna warn you, some of the topics and some of the imagery we're gonna talk about in this show is graphic in nature. So viewer discretion is advised for you parents with little children. Our first story comes from the Nigerian Daily Post, who reports sadly that as many of the 250 kidnapped Christian girls in Nigeria, you know, the ones that First Lady Michelle Obama expressed so much concern for, but then the Obama administration did nothing to help, have now sadly been forced to convert to Islam, and many of them have been sold as sex slaves and raped. This according to a Muslim senator in Nigeria who has access to the latest intelligence reports and even videotapes of the brutal abuse of these girls by Muslim terrorists in Boko Haram. It's the latest revelation in the ordeal of over 250 abducted girls near the village of Chibok, Nigeria. They are now sadly being raped and shot just for being Christians. Initially, these girls were abducted to be used as sex slaves in the name of Allah. And Boko Haram, the terrorist group, avoided all Muslim-dominated schools and only targeted the infidel Christian girls. Now, reportedly, they're being married off to some of the older men, including some who have syphilis, gonorrhea, and staphylococcus in the name of Allah. A man whose age was past 60 was captured, and he confessed that he had married two of these girls. Obviously, with his capture, the two girls would be rotated now to other people who are in line to receive them. And the former senator, excuse me, the current senator, Khalifa Ahmed Zana, who is himself a Muslim, he has no need to help the Christians. He's quoted as saying this, actually, the information I'm getting, some of them is very disturbing, although I don't wanna mention that they are just raping the girls on camera and even showing them on video, releasing it to the public. Here to comment is an expert in I Islamic terrorism, Walid Shrebat. Welcome, sir, to our program. You bet, thank you for having me. So can you talk a little bit about the report that we got from your website, these Nigerian Christian girls who are now, everyone knows they've been kidnapped, that has been verified, but can you verify whether they were sold as sex slaves and what do you know about that, if anything? Well, there was announcements by Boko Haram that they were sold as sex slaves. And uh, you know, the United States, of course, mentioned many in the government, including the, the president's wife, have made an appeal to release the, some of these girls. And, uh, and what happened afterwards is the story got forgotten and of course, Boko Haram, you know, had used those girls for sex slaves. And it's, you know, we have the videos, we have articles on our website uh, getting footage. We, you know, we, we bring footage from the Middle East, from the Muslim world, to show the facts on the ground of what happens. 
So it's not just uh, the kidnapping of girls, but the killing of Christians goes on day and night in, uh, in, in Nigeria and much even in Sudan as well. Uh, and, you know, it's not just only in, in those areas, but in Pakistan, we have we report on kilns. Kilns is basically baking bricks. Christians in Pakistan, we have 20,000 families working in baking bricks. Talking about stories that, that is reminiscent to the story of Moses in the Bible in which the Hebrews had to be baking bricks under the sun and the heat. This is the situation of the Christians in Pakistan too, uh, in which they work as slaves. In fact, we run an operation called Rescue Christians and we have rescued Christians from Pakistan. We purchased slaves and we set them free. So there literally are slavery going on in Nigeria and Pakistan and much of these societies that adhere to Sharia law. And you come from an Islamic background. You converted to, to Christianity, uh, you know, just uh, two or three decades ago. But can you talk about the idea of Islam and slavery? Is that part of their religion? Islam and what? Slavery, yes. Yes. Is that part of their yes. religious belief? Yes. In fact, the, the, you know, the, the capturing of uh, the enemy in accordance to Islam is that you take them as also the wives as concubines, slaves. Uh, in fact, the Quran itself is very clear about uh, uh, marrying or taking as many concubines as you want in the battlefield. And so we deal a lot of that stuff in which, you know, Christian women are kidnapped. We have the case of Tanya Rebecca. Uh, we made the case prominent. Tanya Rebecca was taken as a concubine, kidnapped basically as a slave, and she was tied to a tree, and she was raped by multitudes of men to the point that she had to have surgery after we rescued her. She had to have surgery. It was so horrible and horrific. I cannot describe it on television. But those are the kind of things that happens, in which it happens also in Egypt as well, where young girls are being kidnapped as concubines, slaves, in which the Muslims will rape the girl and then make a fake marriage certificate. When the family tries to collect the girl or try to pursue to save their own daughters, the police will tell them that your daughter is married to a Muslim. She is now Muslim. The husband has full authority in the Quran over a Muslim, and so the girl is lost. So we deal tons with these cases. Uh, so slavery is part and partial of Islam itself. Uh, you know, throughout history, Islam has used Christians as slaves. Uh, in fact, even the United States have experienced this uh, in the during the wars. Uh, from you know, we sing the song from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. People need to think about what happened there, in which Americans, Europeans were being hijacked at sea and then forced into slavery. It's called gonna, white slavery. We're going to take a short break here, uh, but when I come back, I'm going to have more with Walid Shrebat, and he's going to talk about his upbringing in Palestine, his experience as a terrorist. He was in and out of prison there. You don't want to miss this breathtaking interview. Let's take a short break, and we'll be right back. Discerning the spirits that rule our politicians, Dr. Chaps will be right back. <laughs> Let's take a stand with Israel today. Would you sign a petition with me? Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. And sign a petition to defend Israel, who is America's closest ally, certainly in the Middle East, if not in the entire world. We remember watching Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu give that speech at the UN when he warned about the making of an Islamic nuclear bomb. And that is being forged in Iran. But what are we doing now? 
the USA is negotiating with the Europeans to allow Iran to continue to develop nuclear material. Well, that's not right. Do we really trust this man, Hassan Rouhani, the president of Iran, who is the former nuclear weapons chief? You don't think they're gonna build a nuclear bomb when his predecessor, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, literally threatened to wipe Israel off the map of history. Now, we need to take a stand. Why is American foreign policy to fund the Muslim Brotherhood? Let's sign a petition to stop that. Stop sending our taxpayer dollars to fund the Muslim Brotherhood. And let's also sign a petition to protect the Jewish homeland. Both of those are available today at our website, PrayInJesusName.org. And when you sign those petitions, we will fax them to Congress. Instead, the failed foreign policy of the Obama administration, starting with Hillary Clinton and now John Kerry, is pressuring Israel to give up Jerusalem? Why? We should never divide the eternal capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem, and we should move the American embassy there. But instead, now the Obama administration is unfreezing the Iranian bank accounts, sending $7 billion to them on the hope of empty promises that maybe they'll stop their nuclear program. Let's defend Israel. The Jewish people are our friends. They have a right to security in their homeland. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org and sign that petition right now. Defending your religious freedom. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. Did you know Arabic and Muslim children, particularly in Palestine, are taught to hate and kill Jews at a very young age? They even have it on their version of Sesame Street. Here's a talking bumblebee teaching children to kill Jews. I'm joined again by Walid Shrebat. His website is shubat.com. You can see it there. Walid, we just watched a short video of a bumblebee, which is a, a puppet or something that is teaching young Palestinians to hate Jewish people. You yourself were born in Bethlehem in the West Bank and you were raised until age 18 in a Muslim culture. Can you talk about your upbringing and did they indoctrinate you as a child to want to become a terrorist who would kill Jews? Absolutely, in fact, we should not think when we think of this kind of teaching at a macro level, it's on the major level in which you find that the Muslim Brotherhood uh, uh, infiltration into the Palestinian arena was from time immemorial. When I was there, my teachers were from the Muslim Brotherhood, graduated from Al-Azhar University, the top number one university par excellence in the Sunni Muslim world. 
uh, in which the teaching went beyond just killing Jews, but also cannibalism. In fact, we have issued reports showing where this is being taught from Al-Azhar University on Anas TV, the prominent Muslim television from, broadcast from Egypt. Uh, in fact, it was the Palestinians who talked about and taught the children. I show footage in my website showing children in which they say, I eat the flesh of my occupier, young children. And then you see actual Jews who were kidnapped in Ramallah, who their entrails are held in hand by mobs of Palestinians, putting the entrails in their mouths. So the issue when we see, let's say, the al-Nusra terrorist in Syria, uh, the man uh, cutting, shockingly for Americans, for the first time they see this kind of cannibalism, uh, the man is cutting the chest of his, his captive soldier Syrian and opening his chest, putting what he thought was a heart and beginning to chew on it. It was the lung, actually. And he began to eat the flesh, actually, the human flesh. This doesn't stem from terrorists only. This stems from the highest authority in Muslim thought in Al-Azhar University. In fact, in school curriculum in Egypt, we allowed the eating, and I quoted verbatim, we allowed the eating of the flesh of dead humans under unnecessary conditions. Uh, dead human flesh must not be cooked or grilled to avoid haram or uh, forbidden, non-kosher. It is only kosher to eat it raw, and it's exactly what we've seen. So we see Palestinians superseding even the ISIS or the al-Nusra in this kind of uh, uh, carnage in which they actually exercised it in the Palestinian arena. So you, this were taught, so you were taught as a child to engage in these kinds of things. Talk about why you came out of that and how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, it's very simple. Uh, it's a change of mind. Islam literally from its inception had jihad and the idea of salvation in Islam is that by the Muslim sacrificing themselves, in other words, and suicide missions, fighting to die for the cause of Allah, in which the Prophet of Islam very clearly said that by the first drop of the martyr's blood, he not only enters paradise, but he also becomes an intercessor for 70 members of his or her family. So intercession does exist in Islam. Blood atonement does exist in Islam. This is a misconception that Islam rejects blood atonement. They do accept blood atonement from a mujahid or a shaheed, a martyr who dies fighting the enemy in, jail, in their view. Or did you go to prison for acts of terrorism or what, what was your, your role there? Actually, I was put in jail for rabble-rousing, causing demonstrations. In jail, I was recruited to plant a bomb in which I did in Bank Laumi, Israel. I know there is a lot of controversy, but bring the controversy to me live and put those people who criticize me live and I will show you the facts of the reality of who I was. Uh, yes, I was a terrorist after I left prison. I came to the United States and continued in my behavior in the United States in Chicago. I was recruited by Jamal Saeed. He was a colleague of Abdullah Azzam, who was the godfather of Al-Qaeda. It is misconception to think that Osama bin Laden founded Al-Qaeda. Who founded Al-Qaeda was Abdullah Azzam from Jenin. Those are the facts. Palestinians are involved in the creation of Al-Qaeda. It is the myth that Americans do not understand by chopping and chopping piece here and piece there, trying to put a puzzle together. The puzzle stum stems from the Wahhabi ideology and the Muslim Brotherhood ideology, which gave birth to Hamas, which gave birth to all these terror entities that we're dealing with. And why did you follow Jesus now? Well, I do not have to give my son to die for the cause of Allah. God gave his son to die on my cause by shedding his blood on the cross. 
I could not refute my wife who challenged me because I had stated the, the Bible was corrupted, in which I spent a year studying the Bible, in which I found tremendous amount of eschatological views in the Bible regarding the, the threat that we see today. So 20 years ago, I began to talk about what I found in the Bible regarding Islam and the threat of Islam. I wrote about it. I had a bunch of criticism from many in the mainstream evangelical community in which so far we see, even though I had made some errors, I admit, so far we see what we said 20 years ago is happening right in front of our eyes. We watch television, we read our Bibles, everything matches. So when Ezekiel talks about the nation that goes into the pit in Ezekiel 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, we see that it matches perfectly Islamic nations going into the pit. They're all Muslim. In fact, we can have a four-hour discussion on what the Bible shows and discusses, the threat of Islam. It's not as the God forgot to warn us about this coming threat. We forgot to adhere to what God has said 2,000 years ago about this threat and even before. So in other words, we study eschatology from a Western lens and we do not think and understand that the Bible is Middle Eastern centric. It is a Middle Eastern document. And you gave your life to Jesus and now you are an evangelist sort of. Well, yes. I, in fact, I, I go beyond that because I went on the speaking spree. I spoke in churches and I, when I read Matthew 25 one time, it says, I was hungry, you gave me food. Jesus didn't say, I was hungry and you spoke in churches. I was naked and you spoke in churches. I was in prison and you sold book in churches. That's not about book sales and about speaking in churches, but it is about doing actually rescuing the Christians who are suffering under the yoke of Islam. So I decided to start rescue Christians, even though even after doing that, I still get much criticism from church circles denouncing me and, and, and trying to put doubt about me. Uh, in fact, what we do is an open record. People can challenge us and I dare them to try to refute what we say, what we do in the Middle East, what we do in Pakistan. We show the confessions and we show the testimonies of many victims who we rescued. We rescued over 2,000 families. Thank you for doing that. We're gonna take a short break and when we come back, we're gonna talk about Christians being beheaded in Northern Iraq. Uh, more with Walid Shrebat right after this. This is PIJN News. Introducing FactsCongress.com. Do you care about politics, defending pro-life causes, traditional marriage, and religious freedom? At FactsCongress.com, you can create any petition to Congress, and we will convert your e-petition instantly to a real fax paper on your congressman's desk. And the best part? It's free. Once your voice heard by multiple congressmen at FactsCongress.com, we can blast your petition to all 535 congressmen and senators instantly. And you don't even need a fax machine. Not only do we deliver your petitions instantly, but with our dashboard feature, you can quickly recruit friends on Facebook and Twitter to co-sign your petition. Do you care about a particular cause? You can build a virtual army of supporters at FactsCongress.com. Do you lead a church, faith-based organization, or PAC? We can even help you do fundraising. It's free. Just visit FactsCongress.com and try it out. Make a difference. Sign any petition today at FactsCongress.com. FactsCongress.com. So we just saw uh, Christians in Mosul in Northern Iraq, which has been a Christian city for two millennia. Uh, now they're being driven out of their homes people are being beheaded literally by 
the ISIS army. And here to comment again is our new friend, Walid Shrebat. His website is shubat.com. And Walid, can you talk about why do Muslims in this army now, why did they want to, first of all, behead some of the people that they're conquering and then drive the Christians out of their ancient city of Mosul? Well, you can find from as far as back as Ali ibn Abi Talib, the nephew of Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, and others, Umar ibn al-Khattab, uh, Abu Bakr, all the prominent uh, icons of Islam have carried out beheading uh, uh, expeditions in which Khalid ibn al-Walid, in fact, the called the two swords of Islam. He is the major leader or general in the Islamic army during Muhammad's era in which the Christians of Iran were beheaded tremendously to the point that the ravine of blood coagulated and they had to open water to stop the coagulation of the blood to fulfill the oath made by Khalid ibn Walid about killing the Christians uh, in, in, in Iran. And so uh, it is tremendous evidence in which some of these prominent figures said that we are a people who build our fortresses out of the skulls of the enemies we beheaded. You see, so I can show you pictures of, uh, of uh, basically towers of skulls by the Muslims. In India alone, over 60 to 80 million were executed. Those are not Christians, they were Hindus. But nevertheless, the idea of beheading is to instill the greatest fear against your enemy. Once you show this, the enemy is afraid and he will retreat. This is what they're doing in Iraq. This is what they're doing in Syria. They show these beheadings clearly on film so the people become afraid of ISIS. And so the beheading and, you know, and, 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 and uh, amputations is part even of our poetry. I grew up with poetry, you know, Algerian poetry when the fighting the French. It was, it's all about limbs flying, heads flying, so on and so forth. So this is nothing new. This is something part and parcel of Islamic history. What you see happening by the ISIS, you can see what Khalid ibn al-Walid, what Ali ibn Abi Talib, what all the Islamic Islamic leaders from the inception of Islam were doing historically. What you see IS doing is exactly what's happened in the history. So we see the ISIS hanging heads. Those heads are from the Division 17 of the Iraqi, uh, sorry, the Syrian army, uh, in which they sent in a suicide bomber, uh, two suicide bombers, in which they exploded, and then they basically captured the Syrian soldiers, decapitated them, put the heads on the city square on spikes all around the fences where the fences have these spike protruding out of the fence, a circular fence in the square there, in the circle, in which they placed all the heads and even they hanged the heads on the electric wires, sort of like Christmas trees. And in fact, the guy was saying uh, in the end of the video, And this is uh, a quote uh, by a Muslim general uh, in which he says, I see heads as fruit have ripened, and they have ripened for the plucking. In, in other words, glorifying beheading in Islam. It was a statement made by Al-Hajjaj ibn Yusuf al-Thaqafi, a great leader of Islam, in which, in which he warred uh, with Muslims themselves who did not want to pay taxes, so on and so forth. He began to behead people. So, you know, if you look at, I have many articles on beheading. People can just put Shubat, beheading, look at the history. Look at uh, Momo, who basically was sending the heads via a UPS parcel service, in which he proved he beheaded so and so and so and so. Hundreds of heads were sent in through mail to basically prove beheading so and so. In fact, even the grandson of the Prophet of Islam, Ali al-Asghar, was beheaded by the Sunnis in Karbala. And the grandsons of Muhammad were beheaded and their heads were sent to be examined. 
Let me uh, ask one, uh, one last question. Um, is there any hope and, and what should American policy be? I know we can't send more troops over there. The American people don't wanna be involved to protect the Christians, but is there hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can we evangelize this part of the world and what is Jesus doing? Give us some good news. Well, the good news is that uh, a remnant is always be saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't mean that we're gonna save all the Muslim world via preaching the gospel. At some point in time, peace can only be obtained after a war, after we defeat the Islamists. So it's inevitable as we dealt with Nazism in World War II, we're gonna to have to deal with this threat. And this is not just a threat from one Nazi Germany, it's a threat by many Nazi Germanies in this case. Pakistan has nukes, Turkey is rising and is Islamic uh, power. Uh, the, 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 new, the good news is that we have to understand the purpose of Christ's coming. Christ comes is when there is absolutely no other solution. Mankind cannot combat the war on terror except when Christ comes. That's the good news. This is why I call my book God's War on Terror, not our war on terror. We will not defeat this terror until Christ comes. We will continue to war with it. And this is why the Antichrist in the Bible denies the Father and the Son. This is exactly what Islam does. In every verse in the Bible, we look at Antichrist, the denial of the Father and Son, it matches exactly what Muslims are doing to Christians. So we have to also help and aid the Christians who are fighting. There are victories, like the Lions of the Cherubim in Syria, in which they held their churches, and no Muslims could take over those churches. That, that, that are on the hilltops Amen to in which that. they, display, this, they what, display the statue of Jesus there. What is the name of your book again? One more time. God's War on Terror, Islam God's Prophecy in the Bible. Terror. You can probably find that on Amazon. Also visit uh, Waleed's website, shubat.com. Uh, you know, our guest today has been Waleed Shuribat, and I really appreciate you, sir, coming on this show. Uh, I wanna encourage all of our viewers also to visit PrayInJesusName.org and please donate today if you can, or call our toll-free prayer line, 866-Obey-God. Again, that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. We need your help today to stay on the air and bring you these important interviews. Our thanks again to Walid, and let's pray. Would you take a moment and pray with me? Father in heaven, we do pray in Jesus' name for peace in the Middle East. To, to God, you know, we need you to declare your war against the devil against the terrorists. And Father, if we can't solve it with uh, troops, or I know you can solve it, God, with the gospel. And we ask you to deliver your people and protect your people, especially in Mosul. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching, and we'll see you on tomorrow's show. Can I take a moment to ask you to donate today? There are such important battles that we're fighting and winning around the country to defend religious liberty. How much is the right to pray in Jesus' name worth to you? Well, to me, it was worth a 16-year career and a million-dollar pension, which I sacrificed to defend Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to call us today, toll-free at 866-Obey-God, and make a donation. How much would you pay to defend religious liberty? Would you give $10 or $20 or $100? 
I bet there's some people who are watching who can even give $1,000 today just to help us stay on the air, to broadcast this into people's homes, to organize these petition drives, and especially, we spend thousands of dollars organizing rallies around the country and petitioning legislators. Please call us today at 866-Obey-God and give the best pledge that you can give to defend religious liberty and take a stand for Jesus Christ. We can't do it without you. Please donate today. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now at 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. 